This is Nuri Shahin, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 206 of the Yellow Wall Pod. As always, your host Stefan Butzko here at the microphone from Dortmund together, this time with Luca Giel. It's been a while, Luca, but yeah. hello, hello, anywho. Long time no podcast, hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine myself. Um, if there are any background noises right now because my dog just decided to uh, run circles around me so <laughs> as things go that's a very good start to the podcast um circles were also run around Borussia Dortmund's defense as they lost five nil no they didn't lose five nil but felt like they would lose five nil as they uh, drew two two in Frankfurt and of course for us to have something positive to talk about they also won five nil this way around in Magdeburg to progress to the next cup round. And so this is exactly what we will talk about now. Luca, uh, I was scratching my head and I think everyone did when uh, we all saw the lineup that was posted for the Frankfurt game. And uh, indeed, it was Julian Weigel with uh, his slot in the centre-back position next to Nevin Zubotic, who made his comeback since March 2016, which is, of course, uh, on a sentimental base, very nice. Uh, and I, I have to admit, uh, I, I was uh, sitting right under the roof in, in Frankfurt and uh, I was uh, trying to get access to the internet and uh, because the Wi-Fi wasn't quite working where I was sitting, so I had to move places. And so the first two or three minutes, I wasn't really... Uh, watching the game but rather busy um yeah moving places on the press stand because i arrived a bit later than i wanted so um as i was looking at the pitch i i just thought weigel would be dropping deep to get possession and distribute it but uh, no he was actually playing in central defense um usually we you know talk about the one game and then about the next game but um having seen the magdeburg game uh luca why the hell did Zagadou not start in central defense? Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. Um, I asked myself Me the, neither. Yeah, I asked myself the same question when I saw how Zagadou played against Magdeburg. Um, I think the only possible explanation I can somehow see is that uh, Zagadou struggled uh, physically whenever he played left back and had to drink loads of... Um, I don't even know how you call that, but yeah, he, I think he had, he had cramps after like 70 minutes every time he played left back. So you maybe mean electrolytes. Yeah, electrolytes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so maybe that it was a physical thing, but then again, center back, as center back, he would have had to run way less than he has to as a, as a left back. And he looked absolutely fine against Magdeburg. So I think he would have been okay to start at least. And then maybe would have uh, had to come off, off after like 17. But at least he could have started in uh, place of Weigel. Also. Yeah, if you look at the game in, in general, I would uh, make the assessment that it was 
an entertaining game, yet not a good one, <laughs> because yeah. uh, the defensive performances of both teams, uh, yeah, left much to be desired. Um, Lars and I, of course, talked about on the last podcast, I think it was, uh, that Peter Bosch is actually making adjustments and uh, that he can't be criticized for his suicidal highline every game. However, I guess this is exactly the game where he can be criticized for it because uh, that didn't quite work out too well. And if it wasn't for Ante Rebic's really horrific touch, Dortmund would have conceded maybe two or three goals before they eventually opened the scoring through, I think, Nuri Schein it was. Um, Luca, if we look at this game from a tactical tactical standpoint, it was a classic, I guess, 4-3-3 shape. For Dortmund and after the game, standing in mix zone and I asked Nuri Schein uh, about Peter Bosch criticizing that uh, Dortmund lumped so many balls high up the field and the same was the case in, in, in this game. Um, he told me there was a three against three man marking scheme and that he uh, felt flattered that I think uh, Wolf is his name more or less marked him the entire game. However, um, if there's a three three man marking scheme and you want to be a possession heavy side, uh, isn't that just uh, you know a reason for you to adjust your approach and uh, try to gain numerical advantage? What would you what would be your assessment? Yeah, that was kind of the thing that worried me um, when I saw that match. We all saw the struggles last season against those kind of man marking schemes. Um, it was there on the Tuchel, so. For the people saying, oh, now we are really bad in possession under Bosch. Uh, why isn't Tuchel? Why did we fire Tuchel? It was the same with Tuchel. Um, and, but that's pretty worrying because we can't seem to find a way to play against those men. Uh, it was in every game we played, um, that was a problem. And I think if you have those, uh, problems, you need to come up with a solution. I'm not a coach. I'm not really sure what I would do. Maybe, uh, try the, to move the both, both of the midfielders a bit wide and then uh, pull the, pull the wingers inside, like we did against Wolfsburg, for example, in the beginning of the season, where Götze always moved out to the wing and Philip moved inside to receive the ball. Something like that would be an idea. Um, and then you also have guys like Götze who can beat their men one on one. And he did it. A couple of times, but afterwards, that there was the, the movement just wasn't right. When he beat his man one on one, and basically, when you do that against a man marking scheme, usually the defense is in trouble because they have to fill up, uh, fill the gap. Basically, someone has to cover Götze, and someone else should be free. But Shine isn't the fastest. Castro isn't the best in tight spaces. Uh, they didn't really make the most of those situations, and. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a huge problem because teams will continue to play those man marking schemes against Dortmund. And if Dortmund doesn't come up with a solution that works constantly and, um, yeah, creates your chances and helps you to move the ball past the, past the middle third, basically, then you're in big trouble. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, I think the, the general solution to any man marking scheme, of course, is rotation within your midfield and have players moving fluidity uh, fluidly around and uh, that alone would help however with the uh, shine and castro this is not really a thing that uh, can be sustained over 90 minutes and uh, if that's uh, not a solution for you the solution of course has to be an outlet via fullbacks um, now the problem for Dortmund in this game was uh, Mark Batra and Jeremy Tollian were the fullbacks and both a lack complete automatism with the teams yet just because they didn't play much 
what happened? Well, someone else is opening a bag of chips. Okay. The, room, so. the dog, the dog is opening. No, not not the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give that much of a hint, but yeah, this I I think this is a, a big big problem right now for Dortmund, and um, that both their fullbacks in in Bartra and Toljan in in this game, for instance, uh, didn't really yeah create much of a passing outlet and uh, you know basically you want to move your full fullbacks a little bit higher up the field and uh, you know give them an option to pass to the right then move forward and basically create a one-two situation on, on the wing gain space and uh, pull those midfielders like Boateng or Gacinovic or Chandler or Willems or whatever they are or Wolf just out wide so you open up space in the center and can pass it back so you actually have a uh, Yeah, some some space that opens up, but uh, in order to do that, you of course need to have fullbacks that uh, know exactly where to position, so you you can actually build triangles. And uh, I think this whole triangle building thing worked quite well for Dortmund when they played against Gladbach. That, however, did not work so well against Frankfurt, for example. And this, I think, uh, for for once, also just has to you know a lot to do with uh, the way Dortmund play right now, in in the sense that they don't really have much of a consistency in personnel i think the set of uh nine different backline formations in 14 games and i think now it's 10 different formations in uh in 15 with the magdeburg game uh yeah speaks volumes about that issue and uh the other one is if you have a guy like rafael guerrero or marcel schmelzer injured uh, it's always going to be a problem in in that scenario because they are tactically in their positioning and also technically and especially Guerrero of course are uh, just far more advanced than Zagadou or Toljan can be at this moment which I guess um, yeah is somewhat normal so you know I wouldn't even criticize it too much but uh, I guess in in such a match where it's just going up and down you don't have to play such a risky high line to begin with especially when uh, Weigl and Zubotic who I think for their abilities did quite well especially in the last ditch department Zubotic had an excellent game but you could see with their positioning they really had troubles as soon as there was a long ball coming over the top and then basically trying to track back I mean both got easily outpaced by Rebic, Alea and Wolf and if it wasn't for Rebic having such a bad touch every time uh, as I said earlier Frankfurt may have gained the lead easily and we have to laud and praise Roman Bürki for uh yeah keeping a lot of these situations uh or or yeah killing the danger off. Luca, um for you in this game though, uh what what was actually positive by Dortmund because you know it was an exciting game and they did create chances. <laughs> they did, yeah. Um uh, quickly coming back to your negative before I talk about the positives. Um <laughs> I actually thought, like you said, the backline kind of did okay, considering the circumstances for X, especially. But the, the main problem was, was the midfield and that the backline had to do so much because the midfield couldn't get any X in counter pressing their lost balls at, at an inconvenient time where they couldn't really pressure the ball straight afterwards. You know, this is all a vicious circle though, right? Yeah, because exactly. Because of exactly. all the long balls, the, the problems start that Dortmund don't have a ball retention right now. At yeah. all in midfield because they can't have any control because they are man marked out of the game easily and then someone puts pressure on the center backs and that results in a lump. Now, especially against Frankfurt where, you know, the likes of Russ, Abraham and yeah, I don't know, Hasebe, but uh, if there's a long ball toward Aubameyang, there's a 30, 40% chance he won't even compete for that ball. He won't, probably he more. will just, probably more. Yeah, pro maybe even 60, I don't know, but uh, there's a, a very good chance that he'll just 
stand there and hope that uh, his, uh, I don't want to say opponent, but <laughs> I guess opponent miscontrols the ball and lands for him in some way. And even if he goes into the tackle, he is not really known to win those aerials. So that basically was just a loss of possession for Dortmund. But the problem is a long ball, although it takes relatively long to travel, still travels quickly enough for all the other players, including Aubameyang or Pulisic or Castro or whoever, to actually get into that counter-pressing moment. So basically Dortmund don't know what to do. Long ball up front, Frankfurt gained possession and just ping it back down the field behind their high line before Dortmund's midfield could exude any pressure. I think this was the, the, the major problem in this game for Dortmund structurally that they, yeah, basically had the same pattern over and over again. And with that, all the high quality chances resulted for Frankfurt and Dortmund on the other hand did not create too much from open play, which is kind of a shame because, uh, Looking at the sort of players that were on the pitch, you would expect them to do much, much better than they did. So I'm sorry that I budged in, but uh, yeah, I I had it already laid out in my head. That's fine. Um, yeah, and also considering we played Pulisic and Philip on the wings, uh, I guess it, you can't really blame blame them because uh, apparently it's it's some something Bosch wants them to do, but they stay pretty wide uh, um, throughout the game and don't really seem to help in the middle, and especially Pulisic, probably one of the best players on the pitch, at least on paper in tight spaces, I would say. Maybe next uh, next to Goethe, um, he could he could help so much in in the middle just to you know um, give them an option, give them a passing to progress the ball through the middle, and if they would be able to do that, that would would open up a space on the wing. And like you said, it would be nice to have fullbacks who, who could provide passing options in the first in first third, basically in their own third. But it would be even better if you can progress the ball through the middle and then, you know, give them the ball in space in the last third. Um, but that re really didn't happen. I'm not sure if it if it's also down to Pulisic not really being in form at the moment and trying a bit much on his own, uh, which a lot of people got really annoyed about. I, I kind of get why they are annoyed, but I also kind of get why he's trying so much on his own because he feels like nobody else is really doing anything. Um, so I kind of get both both sides there. Um, yeah, and since you asked me about the positives uh, <laughs> a long time ago, um, I would say, uh, like you said, the, the centre-backs, Zubatic and Weigl, did well um, considering the circumstances. I actually thought this game might actually help Weigl because I, for once, even though I'm a huge Weigl fan, I don't think he had a, had one really great game midfield this season, except for maybe, again, uh, was it, did he play the entire game against Gladbach? I'm not sure. I think so. Maybe yeah. he was subbed off later, but at least he had a good game. But this was also the very, <laughs> the only game where A, Götze, Dahoud and Weigl all played together, which I think is Dortmund's best midfield trio. On paper, yeah. On paper, um, form-wise, maybe not yet. And it was against Dieter Hacking. And Dortmund also got off lucky that uh, Stindl and Raphael could not really make too much of the the mistakes that were made in that game too. Yeah, and, and they really like to play against a 4-4-2, I think. Because they have the numerical advantage in midfield. And every time they have that, everything is fine because they can play through the midfield. But as soon as, let's say, against Real Madrid, for example, they had... Isco coming to the midfield and everyone after the game said oh they had four guys in midfield we didn't really know how to cope with that that's the problem as as soon as there's a numerical advantage for the opponent in midfield or they have the same amount of players like Frankfurt did and man marked them out of the game they 
they don't really have any way to adjust. And that's, yeah, that's partly meant as a criticism towards Bosch, but it was the same on the two. So it kind of, I don't know if it's, if it's the players, if it's what, or if it's just really hard, maybe it is, but yeah. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, it's also a little bit of a back and forth right now because we saw clearly that Bosch tried to make adjustments against uh, Leipzig where he switched to a back three because he saw that uh, both yeah, yeah. his center backs were eff effectively marked out of the game and Nuri Schein, uh, you know, got moon burned from the cover shadow, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and the same with Gonzalo Castro, who, uh, yeah, was... Uh, Mr. Cover Shadow Castro himself in, in that game. And uh, it was similar in, in Frankfurt, even even if not as crass, I, I would say. But, uh, you know, there were similar problems that were happening. And I was just waiting for Bosch to try or retry a back three and maybe have one more wing back or one more midfielder somewhere just as a passing outlet. I think that because in the end, Bosch said it himself after the news conference, especially when you tunnel up in this game, you do not want to have an open wild game. What you want to have is control. As yeah. a possession-focused team, you want to control the game via keeping the ball away from the opponent and Dortmund could not do that. Against Gladbach, there were, I think, a couple of minutes or so where they just kept the ball and garbage time and it was fine. And uh, Schein and both Zobotic after the game said, well, Frankfurt basically went all in and they threw everything they had and uh, Dortmund had a couple of counter-attacking situations which they did not, uh, you know, end cleanly. Otherwise, it would have been a third goal and that uh, would have also ended the game. But uh, I, I wouldn't make the argument like Bosch did that uh, you need to score a third to end the game. I think if you turn it up in Frankfurt, I know Frankfurt are a good team and they, you know, can, they can uh, create a lot of momentum and power with the way they, they play. However, as, as Borussia Dortmund, I think it should be your ambition if you're tunnel up and, and score goals at crucial moments that you still have a plan to to keep the ball and and just uh yeah don't make it as interesting for the neutrals as you made it anyway you were talking about positives <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah going back into it um yeah i thought it was Beigel alone as as center back just let not talking about Subotic playing next to him was kind of an interesting idea because yeah he struggled in midfield and he especially struggled in midfield because he's not used to moving up as much as he has to under uh, under Bosch because with uh, Tuchel he kind of was where was like in the in the number six space and could orchestrate the play from there and didn't really have to move up as much be also because of the different shape they were playing in. and under Bosch the number six basically has to be one of the first to counter press the opponent and he has to be in the far advance in the in the opponent's half to kill off any any counter attacks and i think that's actually what what new shine does pretty well i'm not i'm not his biggest fan um but i think he kind of understands Bosch's system maybe the best out of every player i'm not sure but he understands it pretty pretty well especially compared to Weigel and I thought playing Weigel as center back might help him just because he could play so deep he could have his passes uh, through the line uh, through the lines of the opponent basically and he didn't have to move up as much and you know get into the rhythm of the problem there is that you when you play Subotic next to him you take I mean not not to take anything away from him he played a good game against the ball but on the ball he just isn't good enough for Dortmund let's say He just isn't as good. Uh, he's not even as good as Socrates, I would say. And I'm not happy with Socrates playing out of the back. 
and <laughs> he's nowhere close to Batra and Zagadou um, on the ball. And also, so that's kind of a problem because they just had to isolate or just had to, you know, uh, basically guide the ball to Supertic and it would result in a long ball. And but I like the idea, anywho. Of of putting Weigel in there because yeah yeah but in, not in next some to way that's, not yeah like, obviously yeah. but at least to some way I felt it was an attempt to address the issue of uh, <laughs> at least against Leipzig where with Toprak and and Socrates you basically had two center backs that are not very press resistant and so with with Weigel at center back you at least had the feeling that maybe he could despite pressure find ways to open Dortmund's play through yeah. the center however um even though Weigel wasn't pressed as much as I expected him to be um the players ahead of him were marked out of out of the game and hence no passing options either yeah. so you know the, however the way you put it uh I feel like Dortmund's opponents right now are uh way too well prepared than Peter Bosch should like it yeah and my biggest beef with Bosch uh I mean his tactics aren't amazing uh, like we we have talked about in midfield the, the that we don't have a way against this man marking but same with Tuchel like I said but my main beef with him is why do you play your best center back at right back when you have I mean he, yeah we don't know how good Larsen in training and all that but I mean he would have at least going forward he, he can't be worse than um like like playing Zagadou as left back um and then Even if you don't, if you want to play Batra as right back, then just play Zagadou next to Weigel. Uh, this, I, I can't wrap my head around the idea of playing Zubatic and Weigel together. Um, even though it worked out kind of fine for them in defense, but offensive, I think it took something away from, um, uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure because you can't, with those camera angles, you can't see the entire pitch and you can't really see the passing options for the center backs. But I'm, but I'm pretty confident that Zagadou playing next to Weigel would have found players in midfield. And, Well, at least he tries options. to break the lines. But exactly, we saw it against exactly. Magdeburg that he uh, yeah. was, uh, even though, who, who was it oh, on, on the left side? I think it was Schmelzer, right? And he still tried to find Philipp. And that's a positive. And I think in the Magdeburg game, we saw what atrocious decision it was to not start him at center back against Frankfurt. I don't know if he was injured or not fit for the game. I don't think he he was, but that but, would be the only explanation. Yeah, basically. or or yeah. it was just a it was just a, a bad call by the coaching team, which can happen. So um, <laughs> and I yeah, I guess the, the the good news for Dortmund is um that even in a game where they uh, were the worst defense that Frankfurt ever faced, I don't know if uh, if anyone read my uh. I guess preview to the Magdeburg game where I looked again at, at Dortmund's uh, fullback situation and defensive situation. But if you look at expected goals, Dortmund, um, at least according to my own stats, uh, <laughs> had an expected or allowed an expected goal, uh, count to Frankfurt close to three. It was 2.98 or so. And, uh, that in, 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 to put it in context, I looked at all the other, uh, expected goal counts Frankfurt created throughout the season so far, nine batch days and, uh, Spoiler alert, they only once came over two ever in the entire season. That was against that last Cologne. It was a 2.59 expected goals for Frankfurt. And I think in that game, they scored one or two. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know, but, uh, you know, it basically speaks volumes about how, how poor Dortmund's defense was in, in relation to all other teams that Frankfurt faced before. Of course, uh, Frankfurt don't get the space awarded against all 
other teams the way that Dortmund did it. But uh, yeah, it's still pretty harrowing and horrific if you think about it that um, Dortmund more or less want to play or at least compete for the title. And uh, in order to do that, you of course need a good defense and that was just not the case. And I think the main point of criticism is not that Dortmund didn't score third, but that they allowed two goals in this game when they really shouldn't have against the Frankfurt team that yeah averaged one goal per game so far this season and didn't really... yeah do anything special so far and uh, we're also known to squander a lot of chances and we saw it I think quite well with Rebic um, and and Halea that uh, they are okay in their finishing but uh, in order to get into finishing position you need a good touch and uh, yeah as I said before Rebic just couldn't buy one and this is kind of the irony I guess in in, in this game um, Luca if we talk about the penalty that more or less let Frankfurt back into the game would you blame mm. Burki for that yeah Right. <laughs> Honestly, I would. Um, I don't. I'm, I... Let let me let me <laughs> spell it out for you if you yeah. can't. No, Ribic, the, yeah. the, the funny the funny thing in this moment is first of all Ribic was completely free. You know, it looked like a vacation picture because there was no one else but but Ribic. So if if we want to play the blame game, we can't fault Burke entirely because he was left alone <laughs> by his teammates quite severely. However, uh, Ribic only got into that situation because he had a bad touch, right? The ball awkwardly bounced underneath Burki while he clattered into Rebic. Yeah. Now, that isolated incident, I wouldn't really blame Burki at all because it was a bit unlucky. However, if you flip it around and look at the entire game, as Roman Burki, having seen the match, you have to anticipate that Rebic will have a bad touch. <laughs> Based on that theory, I will give him the entire blame no. just because for him not knowing what the hell to do. No, you're personal. Um, no, but yeah, I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can. I kind of blame him for just. It was weird that he jumped. Like, why do you? He just, he just jumped up and I, I guess to try to to uh, you know make himself bigger and make a, cover a bigger space of your, no, of your I, own goal. No, I, 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 I think actually he, he. You know, in all honesty, I don't think he can really be blamed by much there because yeah, it was a bit weird that he jumped. But on the other hand, it looked as though Rebic tried to chip him i think i don't know but, maybe maybe i have to look back at it yeah. but uh he he did i think save a ball with with that sort of handball goalkeeper move <laughs> yeah but that was weird as well he shouldn't have come off the line in that instance because that was an easy goal i think i, I know i know what you're talking about he um i think it was a ball over the top and book came out um to the to the edge of his box basically and then jumped jumped up in the air and if the if the striker looked up, I think it was was it in this game? Was it Wolf? Yeah, it might be. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And that would have would have been an easy goal. Just you know, he would have just ha had to basically play a pass into the goal beneath Burki, or he could have even lobbed Burki quite easily. But he panicked, and but that wasn't a good decision from Burki. It looked good because he saved it, but that's. That's the that's my my beef with this. Are we judging the process or are we judging with the are we judging the results? The result was good, but the process wasn't good in this case. And I like Burki a lot, and I think a lot of the blame was over the top. But I and he did great in this game and a few other instances. But I didn't like him in those. Yeah, I don't think we can blame him much for the second goal. I would say. Yeah, uh, but why? I mean, if you jump, jump, <laughs> jump lateral. Uh, no, not lateral. Jump, just jump. Uh, vertically not into your opponent like i mean in, up not forward <laughs> yeah just jump like in like in basketball if you jump 
just jump up. It's not a fall. If you jump into your opponent, it's a fall. Don't jump into your opponent. Yeah, I I, I guess. Um, What we, of course, have to uh, highlight in this game positively was uh, the uh, goal of uh, Maximilian Philipp. I thought it was really well taken. I I expected... He, should, and he shouldn't have taken the shot there, but yeah. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> on the it's, other it's hand again of, it's again like like the result and yeah. yeah well yeah. i i would make the argument in, in at least in, in in this moment is that everyone including all the frankfurt defenders were expecting the pass into the channel right Aubameyang also made, yeah also Aubameyang made the run and and defenders were basically onto Aubameyang and that opened up the space for philip and uh, he was just trusting in his uh, i guess <laughs> <laughs> ability to to score the ball from there or to to shoot the ball from there precisely and that's exactly what he did so i would say that was yeah. a positive in in my book although overall you know me and and my my uh pension for good yeah. shot positioning but uh, i actually thought uh going for variety for once and uh, just knowing the skill that he has uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't the worst decision i think had he tried to pass it the likeliness of this turning into a goal was much worse because uh, everyone was basically already expecting the pass including the goalkeeper i think yeah i'm not sure but i think it wasn't the worst decision uh, but yeah there were quite a few instances where yamolenko were was wanting towards goal and everyone was covering the channel he trusted his ability and his ability to shoot let him down and the ball landed in <laughs> rosette um <laughs> yeah in, uh, in Yamulenko's case, in those I think two situations, <laughs> terrible idea, terrible yeah. idea. And I think as a as a coach, you should just uh, you know seek a personal little conversation after the game or at a training and tell him, well, you know, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and just quickly coming back through uh, to your point of it wasn't a problem that we didn't score three goals, but that we conceded two definitely. But I think everything in this game. Um, maybe not everything, but like 80% comes down to midfield. Um, the midfield didn't allow us to create many chances. I mean, let's look at the goals we scored. The first one was a, I don't know how that happened, but uh, just I, took a shot from, <laughs> yeah, took a bad shot and it fell to Shine. So yeah, but it was actually was a good a run by Shine. You know, you can't just say it fell to Shine. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a good run, but it was, it wasn't an intended pass. No, no. <laughs> It was it was just lucky, and um, then in the end, it didn't allow us to control the game because. The, and I, I know what you mean by saying the defense wasn't there, um, but just for the listeners, we don't actually mean the defenders. I think, but more of like the entire team. The mid was just wasn't. Uh, no, it's another. more about allowing Frankfurt to play so many balls without pressure exactly. behind exactly. Dortmund's yeah. backline. Which, of course, is is obvious. The centre-backs don't have the pace to defend that consistently well over 90 minutes. What do you minutes. mean, Zubutic and Weigel don't have? <laughs> I mean, but the entire, like, that that was ridiculous. The entire centre axis basically yeah. <laughs> did not have pace. Nobody had pace. In I mean, Aubameyang had, but you have Götze, Schein, Castro, Zubutic and Weigel. Everyone, I mean, Castro is the fastest guy of them. That's quite something. <laughs> but... Um, coming back to to the positives, uh, one more positive note I almost forgot is was Jaden Sancho looked pretty good after coming. He played for like only five minutes or so or six minutes, but um, yeah, uh, looked better than uh, Philip in his minutes and also looked better than Pulisic. I, I would say, um, but of course he he played against tired legs and wouldn't read too much into it. But he didn't look out of place. No, that's definitely a positive. Uh, although I think his very first dribble. Uh 
I think it was against Rus or so, or, or so, so, I don't know, maybe maybe Rus wasn't on, on the pitch by, by then anymore. Maybe it was against Williams or so. I, I don't really remember against who it was, but basically he was just uh, <laughs> put down on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> the, the defender was just waiting for him to finish his step over and then just took the ball away from him. But uh, after that, it was, it was pretty good. And I, I, I think... It, if it wasn't for him, Dortmund didn't even have that great chance at the very end to score a winner. I mean, oh I'm, my sorry. God, I'm sorry, Nuri Shain, but uh, oh you, can, you can be a little <laughs> bit more calm there. I mean, kudos to Hasebe to actually, you know, guessing it right, I guess, because at, at this point it was yeah. only a guess because Shain completely, he, he just whacked at the ball. He didn't. But that's the problem in the 90th minute because your, your lactate is just up there up the roof and you don't really have yeah you can't really concentrate in that moment just want to punch it in goal didn't work out no no it did not work out i wonder how uh, everyone would have talked about the game had that goal much different and probably probably <laughs> that's the result and process thing again you know? <laughs> it's, a, it's a theme we should call the episode all right yeah i don't i don't, I don't know about that uh, uh <laughs> otherwise we have too many 76ers fans listening yeah. in all of the sudden and uh, wouldn't that be great yeah definitely um <laughs> but uh yeah Dortmund now level with bayern in the table of course 20 points each how much does it hurt Bosch you out. Sorry. Sorry. No, I just said Bosch out because yeah. we're leading the table. I don't. I don't know. You know, the thing is, of course, we don't want to talk about a crisis here, right? It's not a crisis. It's a. It's a dip in form, which always happens in October, in fall, and in, in these months, and it's yeah. rather normal, especially with all the injuries Dortmund have and uh, other teams maybe also learning what uh, Peter Bosch is doing and whatnot. And I think Dortmund can and will recover from that going forward. It's not the end of the world. However, um, there was something that irritated me. And that was uh, the way Hans-Joachim Watzke and Michael Zorg reacted to the quote-unquote bad press during the time. And I think a lot of the criticism that was thrown toward Dortmund was, was pretty fair. I mean, it wasn't overly harsh. Nobody said Dortmund were in a crisis. All that was said that Dortmund are not defending as well as they did. And maybe uh, the... Uh, efficiency they showed in front of goal which was never going to be sustainable was not working quite out as well and all of a the sudden they got punished a little bit harsher than they did for their lax defending and that is pretty much all that was said and um i don't know about you luca but if you use terms like sick or insane i don't know how you want to translate krank and uh, schizophrenic i think that's a little bit over the top what <laughs> what did you say um Honestly, I didn't have much time to follow all the media talk. But I, I only saw the headlines. You, so. Luca, I, I know you also did yeah. criticize Borussia Dortmund for their mishaps. So are you True. sick or are you schizophrenic? I have to ask my, my other, my other, uh, the other guy in my head. Um, I guess, uh, I, I didn't really know what Vatska was referring to if anyone was over the top but just if you, just generally about the criticism if, he wasn't okay. really addressing anyone directly you know we are all schizophrenic i mean i kind of uh, like the wording is terrible uh there's no no, no isn't way, it a no little two bit too populistic like just <laughs> yeah over yeah that's just over the top in, in my book and i think yeah, yeah. that's that's not a that's not a good communication and <laughs> I wonder well, we, if we had those problems before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had the problems before and I wonder Luca if that's trying to send a message to the inside of the club. 
maybe it maybe this because why would you yeah why would you react like that and with words like that makes makes little sense to me um i mean what i was trying to say was i kind of get that he's uh weirded out by how much people praise dortmund for winning a few games in a kind of jammy way and at the beginning of the season and everyone was was uh, convinced we would win the league and then you play similar games at least against leipzig But just don't win them because of individual mistakes. If you and then everything is bad again. I kind of understand where he's coming from there, but the wording is way over the top, and I didn't see much criticism to the extent that would justify any close to what it what what he's. Yeah, I, th I thought it was a little bit pathetic, but uh, I, I I don't know. To me, those the whole populism thing goes along. I don't want to draw too many comparisons to the AfD in Germany, that right-wing party, but it's sort of the repertoire they used to. And this is something that irritates me, and I don't like that at all. Especially not from the likes of Zorc and Watzke, who usually are a bit more... Did Zorc also say something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, he, he just called it sick. But, you know, okay. I, I at least can I can understand that uh, you are a peef when you're top of the table and all of a sudden you you're being criticized. But on the other hand, Dortmund are a club that have huge ambitions and the one year where you see that Bayern are obviously struggling, I think expectations are just building that Dortmund are doing things better than they're doing. Uh, I, just my guess. So, um, you know, yeah, like, so uh, all psychologically of the psych psychological. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't really see much of the comments. And maybe if I, if I would go back to read the comments, I would, uh, judge them even more harsher. But, um, coming back to Do just Dortmund's overall season, I think it's, it's kind of weird the way it has been going. Like at the, at the beginning of the season, we didn't even, Dortmund didn't even play that well. But always had the benefit of a jammy first goal, basically, in every game. And then started to play well after the first goal because opponents had to open up. And that's that's kind of the what what worries me because against Leipzig and against Frankfurt, they had they had those jammy go goals. Against Leipzig, they had one. Against uh, Frankfurt, even two. And afterwards, they just didn't start to play well at all. And that's kind of what, what worried me. Um, like you can say that Frankfurt and Leipzig are better opponents than most of the opponents they have played. And that's also kind of, I don't know, uh, if people remember my, my thread on my old Twitter account where I said, I don't think Dortmund are as good as they are made out to be when they won basically the first few games. And <laughs> regression to the mean is hitting Dortmund really hard right now. And uh, I'm kind of at this weird point where I think, yeah, I didn't think Dortmund was that good all along, but now it's also getting worse, so I'm kind of worried, but I'm not as anti-Bosch and I don't want him out like some other fans. It's 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 a weird point in time. I don't really know what to make of this team. Right? Yeah, the thing is, you, you see a lot of positive approaches, right? Like Bosch trying to fix his tactic here and there, and then on the other hand, you see also some decisions like Zagadou not starting in Frankfurt, just as an you know, example that, that weird you kind of out, right? Where you were not sure where, where's yeah. this going? Are Dortmund on the up? And I guess at this point we can segue into the game against Magdeburg where we, uh, saw a lot of positives, even though it was against the third division side, but from a footballing perspective, it was a little bit better. And especially if we compare this game with the game they played away to Nicosia. It was just miles better. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, not really hard, but, but still, um, it is October. We have to keep in mind they play just 
twice per week or thrice per week, however you want to see it. And the international in between doesn't really give a rest to too many players. So, um, you know, there are levels of tiredness obviously there. And with that in mind, uh, it was good to see that Dortmund raised their energy level and played with much more dynamic or dynamism or whatever you want to call it than, <laughs> than in previous games. And, uh, I think that's a positive and I hope that they can replicate that in Hanover. So, um, yeah, we don't really know where this trip is taking us, but, uh, at least for now, I think Dortmund will finish this half series on third place behind Bayern and Leipzig just looking at current form levels although I'm not too sure about Bayern but I'm pretty sure about Leipzig if they can keep things up but uh, yeah we'll see maybe they just both self-destruct next Saturday when Leipzig and Bayern play <laughs> everyone gets sent off maybe maybe yeah. <laughs> I mean there was a very fun cup match um, and I was uh, not really disappointed that it went the whole way over 120 minutes so um, yeah that there was there was a positive thing I guess for the Dortmund perspective that uh, this potentially tired both teams out for the next games and games to come. So, Luca, if we look at the Magdeburg game, we saw Alexander Isak start for the first time in his Dortmund career, which of course is positive and even more positive that it that he used his chance so well. And we saw Zagadou start at centre-back. And of course, Masic Schmetzer returned once again after he did so against Nicosia to play the, what was it, 60 minutes or so before Guerrero came on? Yeah. Some, like somewhere that. around that. So overall, and surely made a comeback. Yada, yada, yada. So, um. Yes, surely. <laughs> Yeah, he needs to present himself now that he's off to Cologne. Although <laughs> his, his agent already denied that rumor. Ah, oh, well, it lived bummer. two hours, three hours. Ah, well, but but I I saw that Bild are trying to uh, heat this whole Schüller scenario up again by writing that uh, he does not have a future in Dortmund. Um, <laughs> I think everyone knows our opinions about that. But uh, yeah, let's take a look at this game. Uh, Luca Dortmund had a very good double chance after what was it two or three minutes where Maximilian yeah, yeah. Philipp hit the post and then Alexander Isak uh, had his rebound saved by the keeper with the foot I think it was a good save but uh, yeah, yeah both Philipp and Isak probably should have could have scored in that instance with a little bit more luck and precision precision but uh, you know how it goes in football sometimes but doesn't matter Magdeburg um, I thought didn't really have too much of a threat going forward however what they did to Dortmund is something we already saw Frankfurt do on a different level and that was stifled Dortmund with a man marking scheme all right Yay. even a third division <laughs> can do it yeah uh, but nevertheless eventually Dortmund of course scored um, off how, how else would you do it in the cup match as the underdog from corner attack? Exactly. <laughs> of a corner. So, um, Luca, since Lars isn't here, your takeaways from that game. Uh, Alex Isak is the best striker alive. Um, right. <laughs> no. Maybe um, someone has to pull the emergency brake on that hype train. <laughs> it's always, it's always, hype train's always fun. My favorite thing about football fan. Um, there are quite a few takeaways, but uh, quite a few I'm not. 100% sure on. Uh, I would agree that we saw slight progress. Look, we looked to be in more control than in the Frankfurt game. Less would, would have been. Um, and Zagadou looks like a really good center back, as we all knew. He even looked good as at left back. Um, all right, question. Yeah. It's, it's just a personal thing I have in my head, and I would like to project it on the pitch on a more regular basis. It hasn't really happened yet 
Wenn der Bundesliga ist. Is it Bartra and Zagadou? Yeah, it is Bartra and Zagadou. <lacht> and I want to know what you think about that center back alignment. Uh, I dream of it sometimes. Those are great dreams. Um, no, I think that's, that's probably on paper the best backline, uh, just on the ball. And, and defensively? Defensively, I kind of think it would work. It has at least more pace in its backline. It does. It does. And, yeah. you know, I, I thought to myself yesterday watching Leipzig against Bayern, every time Bayern got the ball and Leipzig also pushed far up the pitch, I was like, hmm, those Leipzig players at the back, they all, they track back rather fast. Yeah. Wouldn't that be handy if Dortmund had the same thing? I mean, Zagadou, of course, is not, you know, he's not Usain Bolt, but At least for a tall guy, he's pretty yeah, quick. Still. For like a for like a seven foot six guy, he's pretty tall, uh, pretty fast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he is. So that's that's uh, something. And and Butter, of course, he is actually quick. So yeah, I I, I think not Gareth not Gareth Bale fast, but <laughs> pretty, pretty. Yeah, quick. but who except Gareth Bale is really Gareth Bale? So um, true. The, the the question I I would ask myself is like three four months down the road this season whether this will be the the center back partnership that eventually just uh, surfaces from all the experiments Bosch takes or whether it won't be for reasons I don't see yet. But uh, at least personally, I think um, this game was a very good hint at what Zagadou at center back can do and what a great talent he is. Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of see why he wants so Soka to play because it's just so important. And I don't even know if there's an English word for rest for <laughs> Last ditch defending. Yeah, basically garbage defending. <laughs> um, no, but <laughs> what it means is basically when the opponent has beaten you or has beaten the uh, midfield and you have to clean up basically. When you've lost all your structure. Exactly. And it's squeaky bum time at the back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's what he's great at. Like in one on one duels, we've seen him play when he, when we've played Bayern and frustrated the hell out of Robert Lewandowski for, uh, quite a few, quite a few times. And he's, he's good at that. And we kind of need that when we want to play like we play. But I, I do, on the other hand, I do think that Bartra and Zagadou combined could also do most of that. The, and the, the maybe question would, is also, yeah. You know, we here at the Yellow Wall are very I I ideological people, right? And in an ideal world, if you have more ball control, you have yeah. less Restverteidigung to do, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think that also that everything factors into each other, basically. And when you have those two playing at the back, yeah, I, I kind of think the possession game would look much sharper and much cleaner and better possession game almost always means better counterpressing. And that almost always, at least with Peter Bosch, means better defense in general. Because you just don't doesn't you just don't have to defend as as much counterattacks. Um because you destroy them all when they are happening basically or when they are starting to You know, I think if I look at what Peter Bosch's idea is, it's pretty much what Pep Guardiola's Bayern did or Manchester City doing right now to a lot of teams where they have so much control very far up the pitch that when they lose the ball they immediately regain possession through a very good pressing right and it seems as though they completely suffocate opponents and the counterattack yeah. just almost never happens because it's basically the opponent just committing one or two players forwards in order to not be caught out so this is this is something that he aspires to in in 
at least in theory, I guess this is what Dortmund are trying to do. But right now they're very far away from that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it would help if we had Kevin De Bruyne like Manchester City here. So how well? I mean, yeah, bit bit mad at Mourinho still, but yeah. besides the but I but I agree. I think the general idea is to play a bit like that. Um, maybe a bit more direct and uh, yeah, a bit faster in the in the second uh, last third, basically. But um, at the moment, it just isn't really happening. I I kind of have have hoped that uh, all the players coming back, especially the the fullbacks, I think that'll be a great help. But I'm not should sure be. if it's <laughs> enough. Yeah, it should be definitely. But I'm not sure if it's just. I I mean, depends what you're expecting, basically. I I never thought we would have any the league. The Bayern would have to basically shoot themselves not in the leg but in the head. And yeah, Leipzig would also have. I don't know. Have Navigator sent off in every match he's playing, basically. <laughs> chances maybe, are. <laughs> chances are that'll happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think we'll win the league. Not if we win the league. But uh, yeah, a top four finish should still be easily because right now. I don't see Hoffenheim as strong as last year at all because the entire league is just bad. Yeah, I think that's, but I that's mean, my that's my takeaway from the first few. The, <laughs> the only the only thing here, and it's <laughs> tough to say on a Borussia Dortmund podcast, of course, but you don't know what Domenico Tedesco is uh, doing with Schalke because yeah, um, it's it's kind of annoying. Yeah, be, because unlike Dortmund, they didn't start too well, I think, but at least they have a positive trend. I yeah, guess. they kept calm. May, may, unlike Schalke. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so unlike Schalke. But, uh, un, you know, even though the results aren't always falling to them right now, at least you have kind of a positive development there. On the other hand, of course, Schalke right now are very well in their positional play when it comes to their defensive organization. But uh, as soon as they really have to do something with the ball themselves, they are even even far worse than Dortmund right now. They are so far off of a good possession-based game at all. <laughs> That I don't think it'll be good enough for a top four finish. So I'm not like every team in the Bundesliga. Exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't think anyone. <laughs> Matthias Sommer is ranting it every match day or not. Yeah. yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> but he's doing so well. So uh, yeah. Keep it up, Matthias. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If you're listening, good friend. Continue. <laughs> anyway, where was I exactly? Alexander Isak. <laughs> This is uh, where we were on the hype train. But uh, no, in all honesty, um, I think what we saw in this game uh, from Isak is exactly what has been described to us when Dortmund signed him of what his strengths are. His strengths are a very mature and intelligent game. I think his uh, footballing IQ was very well at display there, especially with his not only his positioning, but also with his layoffs. We saw it uh, as he um, assisted Gonzalo Castro with that goal after he came on 32 seconds or so. It was very well-timed Yamolenko cross, as we've seen it multiple times this season already. It was a well-timed header, and it was perfectly weighted for Gonzalo to just flick it in, I guess. And um, I would probably have scored that. Yeah. yeah, well, let's not let's not. <laughs> <laughs> and also broken broken leg. Well, you never really know because a we saw Nuri Shine not score that one goal, which was probably <laughs> just as easy to score. And yeah. uh, b uh, you know. It all happens a bit more, qu just a bit more quickly than slightly, slightly yeah. <laughs> in professional football than than uh, you think it is. So, um, but but to to uh, get back to my point, Luca, I think Alexander Isak uh, showed great potential in this game just because the way he played on and off the ball, the runs he made, the spaces he ran into, the, his positioning overall, 
I think there was great understanding with his teammates and again for a player that hasn't really much of a competitive playing time that looked all very I don't know it looked just very organic and I think there's potential it's probably not going to happen because he's not going to play so many minutes but I think <laughs> if you think about team chemistry and linking up with teammates I think there's the potential of him doing better in that regard than Aubameyang I don't know about the finishing and and the runs that Aubameyang does overall but I think his link up play can be a bit better than with Aubameyang on the field and if things tend to break down as if Aubameyang has a bad game for example where every touch is a trampoline touch I think it wouldn't be the worst idea to bring Isak on yeah I agree um the thing with Isak which is a bit I don't know not weird but I wasn't completely sure on him was when I watched him in play the youth league again was Real Madrid. um he didn't really stand out but you kind of saw that he helped the team in a way. And he did, in the end, he did score a goal as well. But he had, he had so many bad touches and didn't play great overall, but still kind of helped the team with, with a few good touches, a few layoffs, a few smart runs to create space for, for, his, for the other players. So, and it's also weird to see one of the slowest... <laughs> he just seems so slow. Um, I don't want to say one of the slowest strikers alive, but he just seems really slow. And when, you have, when you're used to Aubameyang, Who's kind of fast uh, for the people who didn't know? I would say that a he is actually not that slow. He just looks tall and and hence he looks uh, just slow on, on the on first TV. few meters. Few meters he's slow. Yeah, that's 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 actually true. And yeah. and if you as you just said, if you just compare it with Obama, completely, it's an entire <laughs> dimension. <laughs> Pretty unfair comparison, but yeah, of uh, on my part. But yeah, uh, and but like you said, the linker play looks looks pretty promising. Just with the back to to the goal, he looks much better than already. I would not, say not really hard to be honest. Not not that hard. I, th I think um, the one final point I was going to make in such a yeah. game where you lump so many balls up the field, just put Yamolenko up top instead of Obamir because he at yeah, least can could. hold on to the ball to all these long balls, and with that, you kill off a lot of momentum for Frankfurt and maybe create a chance for yourself. But continue. Yeah, I expect Yamolenko to start again. Um, I, I kind of don't think he'll start Isak for whatever reason. I hope so, but I don't know. Um, yeah, but with the back to, to goal, Isak looks better than Overmeering, I would agree. And um, he's still so young. He's still 18, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah, so much time to develop. Um, looks like he's he's developing well in training. Already shown glimpses in preseason. Uh, not only in the game he scored four goals in, but also in other games, really nice touches. Technique is exceptional for a guy that tall. And I think he'll be a good striker. It's just it just sucks to be a backup to Aubameyang because that guy seems to be superhuman and is never injured. It's a similar <laughs> story to similar story to Lewandowski. Um, Though he, he he was out in Magdeburg due to muscular injuries. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry exactly. if I jinxed him because I asked at the press conference. <laughs> uh, you know, wouldn't uh, I was like, Mr. Bosch, wouldn't that be a game where you could rest him? And Bosch was like, Nah. All the data shows that he's always fit. Yada yada yeah. yada, and then. Line, line data come out. statistic nerds they haven't yet no. um <laughs> well data can change you know <laughs> yeah true no but but it's kind of weird that um totally beside besides what we were saying but it's kind of weird that when you do the press conference that early he's he's oh he's saying so so much stuff that just isn't true like two days later that's kind of the downside of doing the press conference uh, conferences as early as they do now uh, because they haven't anything oh, like they haven't seen the last few trainings yeah i mean but, it's going to be the same on on uh, friday before the yeah. hanover game because a lot of players didn't train on wednesday and 
there is no trending on Thursday. It's a day off for everyone. And then they will all train on Friday before they travel to Hanover. But of course, the press conference will be before before training so it's basically is going to be zero information on the personal situation unless uh he knows about some knocks or or bruises or whatever muscular problems that the docs could already find out earlier in the week about where players are definitely out but otherwise it's going to be the whole wait and see game and nobody will have any information on that you know information right now are kind of scarce anyway (laughs) when it comes to bosch and press conference so uh yeah He's not saying much, is he? No, not really. It's uh, it's also all a bit repetitive. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I kind of like him, but it's it's not that informative. But yeah, uh, going it's not, back, it's to not his <laughs> job to to keep us all entertained, true, though. True, true. On the just on the pitch. Um, now coming back to the point, Lewandowski and uh, Aubameyang both are kind of superhuman, and that's why Bayern don't really have a backup for for Lewandowski, and that's why. Uh, Isaac and other guys who can play up front don't really get that many games because Aubameyang just is able to play like five games a week apparently um, and now he's injured for the first time in I don't know how long and I kind of hope Isaac gets a chance but I I have a feeling that we might see Yamolenko or even Schilder or someone yeah maybe maybe Hanover. this is this is just the time to start talking about Hanover I don't know one last point maybe about the 5-0 win it was emphatic uh, And it was yeah. very good for Dortmund that uh, it was so one-sided and they won comfortably. Because and welcome back, Guerrero. And welcome back, Guerrero, because he had a couple of great touches. But I know everyone is psyched and hyped because he's such a great footballer. But I would just want to say he hasn't really played in forever. And he was Shh. injured for Shh. so Shh. many months. And Shh. everyone, please don't get your hopes up <laughs> that he's going to just make the biggest change now. It's not going to happen too soon, so... But- But to be fair, he did look pretty good considering how long he was out. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. But you know how players come back from injury, look amazing for the first two games or so, and then have a massive dip again because they're just not used to playing competitive sport. So, um, which is so weird to me because whenever I come back from injury, I I don't even know how to walk on it. But continue. No, I was done. <laughs> now let let's talk about the- all right so uh hanover are right now in i think what what place are they in seventh six in no man's yeah i think is the correct i guess so yeah they're they're of course sixth and uh why are they sixth place because they're uh the team with they the sixth most possession in the league really yeah and- how did that happen I would. Is, I'm actually impressed with both the uh, uh, promoted teams because they both Stuttgart and Hanover adapted to a more possession-heavy style, and I I would say especially Hanover in, in the second division, and and they actually kept it when they and possession up. possession-heavy style in the Bundesliga means you have like 20 of the ball, right? <laughs> Look both teams have like 20 of the ball. Yeah. No, it's 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 actually it's actually a little bit better than that, but yeah. um just. Just to to make the point is that Hanover, like a lot of the other Bundesliga teams, are a bit more comfortable with having the ball, just because, uh, yeah, they didn't uh, change their philosophy, and it's it's working out quite well for them. So, um, on and Harnik is going gold. Yeah, that's which is super weird. It's not gonna can't. <laughs> 
There's, there's, uh, I, I wouldn't say. No, he's going. No, he's going. I wouldn't say similarity, but there is, of course, uh, a similarity. Uh, not, not in the possession game per se, because Dortmund and Hannover's possession game is a little bit different still. However, <laughs> the similarity of of them, uh, and if you look at the table, it's of course that they both conceded seven goals so far this season. And uh, yeah, otherwise, I was looking a bit at their stats and. Uh, Hanover have the least amount of take-ons in the league, or second least. Uh, Freiburg are actually the one with least amount of take-ons. Also a possession-heavy side, I guess, which is interesting. Um, on the other hand, I not think... Against, not against... Not against Dortmund, that's true. But what I think is interesting with uh, that is this is probably going to be good for Dortmund. Because Dortmund do not like to uh, have uh, people trying to dribble against them because they tend to do well. I don't know. It yeah. might might just be the individual skill of uh, Dortmund's individual players at the back that it's just not good enough. I don't know. Confidently defend against players that try a dribble. Yeah, but good dribbles are hard to defend as well. That's true, but uh, you know, sometimes sometimes it just takes a bad dribble or average, not or special bad, dribble or a bad touch, like we saw. <laughs> or a bad touch. Yeah. So um, yeah, obviously Hanover uh, are a bit uh, lopsided in their play they have far more touches in the right half of their field than in the left a lot of teams have i actually don't know who who are playing for hanover on the, on the right side do you know uh, that? I, I think julian Korb is right back right and um harnik is often playing on the right side attack exactly and in, exactly in midfield i think Schwegler, yeah and it might also just be because uh zani is a right center back most of the time oh i think Last time it was you, yeah, but could at, be. At, at least in, in the cup, the, okay. the the match that I saw in the conference where I had oh, a couple okay. of peaks at it. Maybe, maybe that's uh, no, in the league. He's usually the left center back, I think. Ah. Next to Antonio. Maybe not a game I should have taken as a reference. Then, <laughs> <laughs> um, did you know that uh, Hanover have the highest amount of all clearances in the league? No, fun fact with, with Busco. Yeah, definitely. And nice. uh, <laughs> you know why? <laughs> Why? Because they have Zane in their team and he has uh, 62 luckily, clearances with his... Luckily not Leroy Zane. No, not Leroy, but uh, yeah, I, I think Zane still is a very, very good player and uh, he is just so dominant in the air. I mean, he has 81% aerial success and the second best player in the team is Philippe, who's injured right now, but also a centre-back and he has 66% aerial success. So that tells you how yeah. much Zane is above literally above that, everyone else that also tells you that maybe playing isaac and just lumping the ball forward to him wouldn't be the best game plan that tells you that lumping the ball forward in general is not the best game plan against a True. team that features zani in most games that isn't the best game plan exactly but, yeah but especially there um anywho hanover yeah as i as i just tried to say like to pass the ball around themselves or keep it although they have a lot of clearances themselves so <laughs> i know that contradicts itself a little bit but there you go um it doesn't really so what kind of game are we to expect hanover of course uh, by some dortmund fans with bochum relegated a very long time ago dubbed this as their 18 home match <laughs> yeah i hope it's going to be like that this time again yeah, but uh, what are you actually expecting from Dortmund in this game? Is this the sort of game where it's going to be a comfortable win? Or or do you think against the Breitenreiter team, Dortmund will struggle severely? Uh, I think we did, right, in the past. Um, I really I, I really am not sure. I don't think 
uh, they will have as much possession as they had in other matches. Uh, when they played Schalke, probably the best team they have played so far, they had beneath 50% possession. I think that's a given that even if a team is good at True. keeping the ball, I mean, the same can be said about Leipzig when they came yeah. to Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but it'll it'll be interesting if they go like the Freiburg route and just you know kick everyone and then fall back and <laughs> uh, park the bus basically, or if they actually try to play football. No, I, I think it's going to be the latter, which is why I have hopes that Dortmund will have the space they need to combine create goals i hope so yeah um if that's the case i i i i think we will have a good chance um do i remember correctly that the pitch in hanover is really bad yes that's uh, correct yeah. i don't know in what kind of shape it is right now but i have a hunch considering it's fall it's not going to be yeah exactly <laughs> and like we saw against apple nicosia that's not something the Dortmund, Dortmund players thrive in. Like, those circumstances something they like. Um, yeah, Nicosia, so. just the latest of a million examples. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Whenever the pitch is bad, Dortmund is bad. Um, because then you have to beat them with not with playing football. Or they feel like they don't can't they can't beat them with playing. Uh, they are the better football team, but I'm not sure if they are like the better whatever else you want to call it, fighting team or whatever. Um, yeah, it'll... Largely depend on who is fit, I would say. If Schmelzer can play another game this week. If if he can, I would like to see Tolian on the right side and I would like to see our best centre-back probably play at centre-back in Mark Bartra. Not that I hate him as right-back, but, you know, he's the best centre-back, so play him if you have other options. So Cortes returns from his suspension, so I guess he's true. set. I don't know yeah. about Toprak, if he uh, recovered from injury or not. Yeah, we don't know about that. Uh, I mean, I would like to see Sagadu, but uh, chances are pretty slim, I would say. At, maybe if Bata stays at right back, which which I would be okay with, wouldn't be amazing. My favorite pairing, like yours, probably as well, Zagadi. It's it's my favorite theoretical center back <laughs> yeah. pairing. You know, if if Same. they if they play together and they don't play well, I may change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> True, we haven't. That's a fair point. We have never. Seen. Um, it's a bit like Beige, Götze and Enterhuts, but we think they'll they'll save the world. Yeah, we may world. also be very, very wrong. Just the True. disclaimer to put out there. That, that, that goes for everything. We everything say is just hypothetical <laughs> here, so you might as well We might listen. be really wrong. <laughs> no, but um, uh, continue. You were talking yeah. about Dortmund's backline, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be crucial for Dortmund to, to cleanly pass out of the game because uh, Pjemian mm. Schwegler who uh, is usually Frankfurt's number eight, I guess, with Fossum yeah, in the 4 for 2 shape. Yeah, some. sometimes Bacalots, many of us know because he played for Dortmund. Um, and because he injured Mon. Exactly, but uh, also, yeah, yeah. For, I guess for both those things. But uh, Schwegler yeah. uh, is leading Hanover in interceptions and he is uh, doing quite well with that. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to pass good the ball player. in that direction. Schwegler is a very good player player i would say when it comes to transition games and if if yeah. he gets possession and has space i think he's the sort of player that can do something with it i wouldn't necessarily say that schwegler is the sort of number eight that can create something against deep sitting teams but this is not what dortmund are going to be so <laughs> yeah i was going to say schwegler and Hanek is something that dortmund should look out for in this game and hopefully not play in that sort of pressing trap and also uh a little note to the uh, right back or whoever is playing on the right. Uh, Karaman, their uh, left winger or midfielder, has 90% uh, tackling success so, so far this season. And he is actually featuring regularly, which means that uh, you also don't want to lose possession 
there or try to be too cute with your dribbles there, but rather avoid him because he is quite defensively equipped. Just just so you have been warned. Anywho, because I'm the host, I have to also continue. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't make anything up now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. I'm I'm just going through a, cu a couple of things I I looked up on the internet because I I I must say I haven't seen Hanover play too many times this season. Hashtag podcast. Yeah, yeah they're they're just not too exciting to be honest. I mean, they're quite yeah, often Bundesliga. They, Welcome yeah, to the Bundesliga. Yeah, they they are just Bundesliga average, even though they keep the ball better than. But but to be fair, the Bundesliga is one of the best leagues. In <laughs> That's reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, what do you uh, what do you expect of Dortmund's midfield midfield to do? And uh, if you were Peter Bosch, how would you approach the entire situation with the whole man marking thing? Hmm. I mean, we don't know if Breitenreiter will actually do it, but knowing Breitenreiter, he will. And uh, yes. so, how can Dortmund restore or create a numerical advantage in midfield without gaining or rather without losing control in the final third or punch? Yeah, um, I, I'm curious who is fit. I'm not sure if Götze is fit again. Did he train? I think so. Yeah, he right. was just rested as okay. the only player. Weigl, okay. Pulisic okay. and Obang actually had some okay. slight injury problems, but Götze was, he was merely rested. And, uh, okay. I yeah, think we didn't right mention so. it enough, but, uh, <laughs> he played three games. Yeah. Like in a row. But also, he played extremely well in all these games he played. Yeah, even I think he's Dortmund's best player this season. Exactly, exactly. I think I rated him an 8 since Leipzig and against Frankfurt, even though not too many people agreed with me there, but I just personally thought that he was playing amazingly well. And uh, we would we would see, even, see it even better if, you know, everyone around him just, uh, yeah, <laughs> raised their own game for one. Yeah, yeah. So... If Götz is playing, uh, that's always good for Dortmund this season. I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of don't really care at the moment if Shine or Weigel plays. I think Weigel is the better player, but Shine is the better fit for now in the system of Bosch. So yeah, that's a toss up basically for me. Uh, I, I would kind of like, uh, Dahoud to get another chance. Um, he didn't play amazing yet this season, but he just offers the, he's just like a quick guy who can offer passing options, who can beat his man in a man marking scheme just by out sprinting him basically um, i think we we saw quite well the dilemma with mahmoud dahoud right against Magdeburg. in the how many minutes did he play around 40 right in the first half yeah he, like that, he yeah. did show that he has amazing creativity and all his ideas he let's say he attempted were really really great however most of his passes were just slightly under overhead it's just yeah. the, the the final precision is just the thing that's lacking with him right now but otherwise the the way he thinks football the way he moves and and you know the the spaces he sees and the passes he attempts they're all very intelligent and uh something the sort of spark that Dortmund have been missing in just too many games right now and I'm yeah I'm looking at you Gonzalo Castro <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but uh, I think Dahoud right now would be a bit of a bitter fit if he just uh, yeah gets his precision up just a little bit. Maybe it's just a bit of game time he needs. I don't actually know if if that's the case or if he's just not that good <laughs> and over no, no, too many is. times. But um, yeah, he is uh, he has been quite well in creating things for Dortmund. I mean, how many assists does he already have for a very quite a few, tiny I'm, amount I'm not of, sure of the exact number. I think six or so. I don't know. But maybe, but for maybe. the tiny amount of games or minutes he, he played so far, it's quite a great assist set, you know. If and it's kind of reminiscent of of a of another of a certain Gnuan. 
Yeah, of a certain guy who, um, yeah, like he started Dortmund kind of similar for maybe some people who didn't follow him that closely back then. He, I think he was even, not even benched, but just wasn't in the squad of like for the first half in a few games because he just didn't play that well. Um, but he did most of the things well and then just the last pass wasn't there and then he had this one goal against Fürth and then the rest of it. Uh, maybe, maybe that would need something. I would like, I would like him, I would like for him to score a goal. Yeah, maybe against yeah. Hanover, but uh, maybe uh, to to bring this to a close, I don't, I don't think. Uh, yeah, we're pretty far in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that Dortmund will win this game. I know I've been very negative many times when predicting. So unlike us, too. yeah, totally. But uh, uh, you know, I don't want to be called sick and schizophrenic every week. So uh, <laughs> I actually think that so I predict two results, right? I think I think Dortmund are going to win this three one. I think they will just have have a game and uh, regain some form after Magdeburg. And I think the trend is going up again after a terrible week where they lost to Leipzig against Nicosia and Frankfurt. Maybe there is just a turnaround now, and this is why I predict a three one win for Dortmund. Now, Luca, you can either be more negative or tell <laughs> me that I'm right in your pre um, prediction. Yeah, really hard to predict without knowing. Anything. Obviously, without yeah. knowing who, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping uh, that Sancho might play with Pulisic is out and Yamolenko maybe to striker or even Isaac plays striker and then Philip gets rested or something like that. But just because I think Sancho is one of probably already one of the best players in tight spaces could help with that field marking. And, you know, he likes to move inside and he likes to come deep to receive the ball and just help to keep the possession alive and the ball circula circulation alive. So I can, I kind of think he would help in this game. Um, overall, I think Dortmund really need a win and I kind of think they will get it, but, uh, but it'll, it'll be tough, like a 2-1. All right. That's, I guess, all. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we could theoretically preview the match Dortmund will host against Nicosia on Wednesday. I hope they lose so we don't have to play Europa League. All right. I hope they win because I want them to win the Euro League. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, it would be kind of fun. I'm not sure if, if Bosch would do that, but if they play Europa League just to have two different teams, basically, you know, play one team in Europa League because they have such a big squad. If everyone is healthy. <laughs> yeah, I was just, just going to say. One, yeah, just if. play one team in Europa League and then, but I hate the Thursday, but yeah. I don't. I have to say, I, I like it because <laughs> that way I get to see a lot more conference and uh, on Champions League True. nights I have off and True. I can just focus on the great games that are happening and but do you really want to watch other Bund i do i i do <laughs> you you're a weird guy okay i'm sorry but uh, i i like <laughs> i like conference because uh even yeah, even if all all games are bad you still see most of the good stuff so <laughs> <laughs> also i don't i don't think bundesliga is all that bad. no i'm being a bit tongue-in-cheek yeah you are bit, as always bit, otherwise yeah. uh you wouldn't be the guy who you are. Anyway, yeah, uh, being the guy who you are, you can people now tell where they can follow you on the internet or find if you want. Otherwise, <laughs> no, it's okay. you keep it to yourself. Um, I, hopefully in the future, again, at uh, on Yellow Wallpot, uh, if uh, if the other things I have to do in life, let me do it. And uh, on Twitter at Fjerdekirch. That's a nice Twitter handle you have there. You can find me at Stefan Butzko. You can find all my written work on ESPN FC. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the entirety of the Yellow World Pod, you can do that on Twitter as well. At Yellow World Pod is the Twitter handle. And you guessed it on Facebook. It's pretty much the same. 
And if you want to find our written work, our translated mix zone pieces or whatnot, you can do that on yellowwallpod.com. If you want to subscribe to the show in one way or another, you can do that via your podcatcher, iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher. And if you want to uh, help us financially, which is always much appreciated, you can go over to patreon.com slash theyellowwall and do it there to give us a quid or two. That would be very swell. And yeah, that would be all from us, I guess, until next week. And then we have to preview the Bayern game. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that won't be too positive, but we'll see how many players Bayern Munich still have left after facing uh, Leipzig for a second time. Anywho, thank you, Luca, again for coming on. And to everyone else, thank you for listening. That's all from us from the Yellow Wallpot. Until next week, goodbye.